Well, good morning. I, um, I'm excited about this text, as I say every week, but this is something I struggle in, and I'm, I pray that you struggle with me throughout the text. Um, we've prayed for this. We have questioned God on this, but yet you get to hear a text where it's not going to make you feel comfortable. I'm just going to put that out there. But it is going to make you remember and it is going to make you understand the beauty of the couple words that I'm going to focus on. Now, you like a couple words? Absolutely. Because pastor didn't finish, so I don't either. <laughs> so let us pray and dive straight in. I don't want to do a preface today. I want to go for it. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we are excited because your word is beautiful, it's powerful, it is sharper than a double-edged sword. The only issue is a sword hitting stone. So I pray our hearts are soft and ready for the bone and marrow to be split, for us to think of our lives and ask, God, how can I change? I pray that we don't ever approach the text saying, I got this down already. It's funny how we do that, and then we encounter something else that reveals that we weren't where we thought we were. So, God, I pray this sermon is something that prefaces our discovery, that it is before we have to say that, that we'll all approach the sermon with the same mentality, like, God, teach me I am humble and ready to receive. It's shocking how many times we can hear a word fade in and out of it, but then desperately want you to solve when we give you a word back. So, God, I pray that we'll just listen today. We'll hear from you, not including myself, that this won't be a Pierre sermon. This is your sermon, your words given to your people for your growth and for your glory. So, God, we love you today. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love Weatherman. Not really. Because who even pays attention to the Weatherman anyways? If we're honest, certain demographics of people do. I even know people who still watch the daily news. How do I know? They tried to watch it at my house last night in front of my kids while they was talking about shootings. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not age appropriate. But I love weathermen because they be trying to guess the weather according to their expertise sometimes, and they try. And one time in Houston, none of us believed what they was fixing to say. What did they say? It's going to freeze. Now, we believe if it says 106, we believe the weatherman. But when it says we going to freeze, everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> when hell freezes over, literally. But it froze. So everybody got a little shock. Some of us had to learn how to wrap some towels and some tape. Some of us went outside and did what my wife was doing in protecting her plants. Not in my wildest dreams that I think you had to protect plants. But let me explain something to you. After seeing the bill for the plants, can, can y'all only in America do you buy grass? Think about this. We buy grass and then some of us will go buy dirt. Only in America can you market dirt. Like, man, I got the best dirt. I go to Africa all the time. I'll never see a dirt guy. <laughs> Only in America. So she rolls outside, and I was with her because I was like, well, we dropped some money on these plants. 
So, boom, we dropping comforters and junk, sheets. So I want you to envision the plants for a second. Just out there in the cold by themselves. And the only thing you could do, you can't bring them inside, they planted. The only thing you can do is chunk a sheet on them, a kid's sheet from 1965 that has holes in it already, and say, good luck. But some of us feel the same way. That you feel like God is just throwing a sheet on you while you suffer. That you alone by yourself. And what is he, when is he going to, when is the freeze going to be over? This sheet ain't thick enough. I'm by myself and I'm rooted and grounded. I can't fix my circumstances. My marriage is what it is. I can't change my singleness. I can't change my job. I can't change nothing. I feel like I'm grounded in my own suffering and it's freezing out here. And some of y'all right now are wondering, what is God doing and when will the freeze be over? And I got good and I got bad news for you. First, this sermon is not a prediction of the end. First, this sermon is not a prediction of it's going to be over soon. This sermon is what you do while you wait for the freeze to be over. So when you turn to James chapter 5, I want you to envision yourself as the sheet, or excuse me, envision yourself as the plant. And what I'm going to do is rip the sheet off for a second, and I want you to see what James tells the people. And you're going to be like, why use the plant? Because sometimes this is the best imagery I can give you for what was happening to the writers, that, to the people that James was writing to. The rich were oppressing the poor. How do I prove that? Go up a verse. And you will see. That's why he says in verse 7, he says what? James chapter 5, verse 7, he says there what? For. But that means if there's a therefore, there's a beginning. And since they're beginning, let's read it. It says, you have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. You have lived, verse 5, you have lived a luxurious on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You, you rich people are misusing your riches and oppressing the poor. So then he tells the poor people what to do. And let's be real, we have a lot of options. He could have told them riot, burn the place down. He could have told them revolt, get up your sticks and let's go beat them back up. But he chose a text that nobody in this sermon wants to hear. So instead of you saying, well, Pierre, I'm rich myself, this sermon is not for me, slow down. Because all he's talking about is how to handle suffering in the first place. So therefore, what I want you to do is ask yourself, what's your suffering? Second question I want you to ask yourself is, what do you do when you suffer? Because suffering will really tell you who you are. And some of us think we're the best Christian in the world until, until you have to suffer in your faith. Until you have to wait on stuff, until it's not in your hands, until you're not blessed and overfilled and overjoyed, until somebody can oppress you, better yet, until somebody takes advantage of you. You know what oppression is? It's somebody using their power to make sure you don't have any. So I bet $20 I can, you can think of a person who's done this to you, and guess what? This sermon's for you too. So whether it's a circumstance or a person, suffering is still suffering. So right here, you would think, therefore, he would come with this great battle plan, a strategy, an avenue, an angle. No. 
Be patient. How many of y'all wanted to hear those two words? If you being oppressed and you under the blanket while it's freezing, somebody's like, well, just, just stay there. Just stay there, you're going to be good. No, nobody wants to hear that. So today, I'm fixing to say it again, and I hope you like this. It says what? Be patient. But I said I got time today. So since I have time today, let's break down the word patience. And you're going to get so many different definitions, you're going to get sick. Watch the first one. The word patience means something simple. It means an internal and external control despite your circumstances. Oh, wait. Did you say internal and external? That's just a general definition. You would say the ability to suffer long or long what? Suffering. But while you are suffering, see, I already knew you knew that definition. Let's get some dirt on it. That some of us, when we suffer, it is the ability to control the internal and your external expressions while in the midst of your suffering. That I'm fixing to attach the word patience never comes when you bless. Patience only comes when you suffer. So when he's using the word patience, he's not using it when you live in your four-bedroom house out in the suburbs. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about the fact that your renter one day wanted the payment on time. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the fact that you are in the midst of being oppressed. You are suffering. Somebody's taking advantage of you. Your circumstances are unavoidable. He says, do you still have the same control that you did when you was in your blessing? Do you still be able to say, internally, I'm fine, externally, I'm fine. I won't even cuss you out today because I know this word called patience. Here's the funny thing about internal and external control. Let somebody cut you off when you talk and when you drive. I wasn't done. Or let somebody cut you off on 610, I-10, Bellway 8 and 45, especially 290. 290 crazy. I know it goes to the suburbs, but it's in the hood how you drive. You better learn how to drive. Let somebody cut you off. Here's the funny thing about your patience. Some of us can't be patient for five minutes. You start to lose internal controls the moment you have to wait longer than you want because some of us set boundaries on our patience. I'll be patient as long as it meets my boundary. So I'll be patient as long as God does it on my timing. Oh, patience has nothing to do with your control. This is when you know how saved, saved you are. It's when it's outside of your control and you still exhibit patience. You know, I'm going to skip ahead a couple definitions for you. It says this second one, patience and angers, anger don't go together. These emotions that many of us have when we lack, when somebody is taking advantage of, that patience quenches all your anger. Because therefore, if you're patient, you can't be angry at the same time because you have this thing that we're going to talk about because patience is also attached to this word called hope. So how can you be angry if you have hope at the same time? How could you be angry if you know God's going to do something about it? You can't be angry if you know God is still a solver and a redeemer and a restorer. Why in the world are you still angry about your X and your, your triple X's and the X's all behind you? Why are you worried about all them? Just the moment they bring up his name, you like, don't talk about him. You can't be angry. For what? You already know God going to solve your past and your suffering. 
You already believe that. So why in the world are you walking around all bitter? Everybody's in the car talking about be patient. You know what I love, man? I'm just going to stop here for a second just to give us a reprieve. I love my kids. Love them. One of them here, so I'm going to be patient. How I present this next thing. Like, it doesn't matter how old they get. They, they just don't have patience. Especially even if it's for their blessing. Like, hey, we're going to go to a restaurant. And if we drive past more than four, well, which one are we going to? It's a surprise, chill. No, were we there yet? Which one? What food is there? A thousand questions come every five seconds. They see me on the highway. That means we ain't stopping. That means there's nothing we can go left and right on. Why are you asking me, are we there yet? We ain't there, obviously. Obviously, I'm lacking patience, too. <laughs> And God is looking at you like, why are you still asking questions? I put you on the highway. I know where I'm taking you. And you over here in the back seat letting me know when I've never wrecked the car just because you don't like the outcome, just because you don't like the highway, just because you don't like the traffic. All of us in here talking about when we going to get there yet. Are we there yet? When is this over? And I'm like, it's for your benefit. Just be quiet. But over there in the back seat, getting angry, looking out the window, not realizing that's for your blessing. Oh, I don't want to talk about my wife, though. She used to look out the window for real, for real. <laughs> Ladies, let me ask you this question. <laughs> what is out the window? Hmm? Hmm? No, we're going to ask this. Hmm? Ain't nothing over there. I'm right here. I'm driving you. I don't care if you're hungry. I'm hungry. I've been waiting, too. But you over here. Hmm. Ain't nothing over there. Hold my hand and let's get some food. Fellas, let me give you a surprise. This is a trick. Get her a snack when you pull up. It doesn't change them still eating your food, but let's move on. All right. Patience. It's not only internal and external control. It is an expectation of victory. So it all starts tying together. That he's telling the people, James is sitting there talking to the people, and he's saying, hey, just because they have the power to abuse, misuse, and oppress doesn't necessarily mean you won't be victorious, but be patient on God. See, some of y'all just patient on your own strength. That's why you run out. That's why your husband getting the short end of the stick. That's why your wife get the short end of the stick. It's because you're over here trying to be patient on your own regard, but God is saying, be patient on me, I don't lose. So even if the score seems opposite, even if you thought you'd be winning by now, even if you thought you have your raise by now, even if you thought your kids would be better by now, even if you thought the school would be better by now, even if you thought people would stop shooting each other by now, you can say, God, at the end of it all, you going to win. So why am I worried about the score? You know what I've learned about Christians? We love fairness. Can I give you a, just a, this is the deepest Greek I can give you. Life ain't fair. But even when it's not fair, doesn't mean we don't win. 
Stop looking at the score right now. Stop looking at people are cheating you right now. Stop looking at people are taking advantage of you right now. They gonna lose sooner or later because the last time I checked, evil don't win. We over here checking people's IGs, DMs, messages, sex messages, hidden messages, erased messages, hidden pictures, uh, photos. Stop. Because the last time I checked, you gonna win. So not only is patience attached to victory, patience also is who he is and his purpose. Two different things. See, you're not patient on your circumstances. You're patient on his purpose. I told you I had time today. That some of us, you don't realize that you're only patient until your circumstances end. That's why you miss your purpose. See, you're like, God, when is it over? When is it over? And he's like, man, it's over when you achieve the purpose I put you in the circumstances for. But if you go only worry about when it's over and when we get there, you never achieving my purpose. Stay in my lane. Stay in the car. I know where I'm going. I have a plan. But do you believe me? Patience and belief have to go together. If you don't believe, it'll show in your patience. That's why some of us lose patience with our kids because you don't realize God still has a purpose for them. Some of us have lost sight of what God can still do despite their past and what they've done. Some of us are giving up on our kids, and I'm like, why would you give up if God still has a purpose? But not only does he have a purpose, he has a plan. But not only does he have a purpose and a plan, but he has his character. See, even if you can't see the purpose, even if you can't see the plan, see who he is. See, God has never what? Failed you. Now, you may, I have failed God. Your circumstances may feel unjust, but that doesn't mean he's in the failing business. It's, he is who he says he is. When he defines himself, he says, I am that I am. There's nobody above or below. There's nobody who is not just like me. There's nobody, the judge can't be me. Greg Abbott can't be me. Nobody can be me. When I swear, I swear on my name. There's nobody I can swear on. I am him. Now, if you watch sports, you know what I mean. I'm him. That's what God's doing in heaven while LeBron running around on some wood floors. Talking about he's him. Boy, get out of here. Patience also means steadfastness and assurance. It means you're willing to persevere in your trials, not out of them. That some of us need to stop begging to get out while you can be working on your character within. Uh, but that many of us are saying, God, I'll learn when it's over. Stop saying hindsight is 2020. Because in your trials can also be 2020. You know what's crazy about a tornado? In the eye of it is calm. The storm is still doing its thing on the X side. But you can still see 2020 in the middle. So I guess what I'm saying is you start to realize who God is. It may be doing some circles around you. But you're seeing God's plan as he works on your character on the inside. People looking at you like, man, your life is trash, but you just always seem like you are waiting on something. You always are patient. You're not in a rush. What are you doing? I'd be trying to find a way out by now. You're like, I can learn things in it. Oh, man, some of us have missed your lessons, your purpose, your plan, because you're in a rush to get out of it. The only reason crazy about staying in the eye of a storm, if you rush to get out of it, you're going to get caught up in the wind. Patience also means that he is allowing your affliction, but you're going to be patient within. That he's saying, but he gives you a direction. Because he starts to say this, therefore be patient, brethren, until, uh uh-oh, 
So you're like, Perry, I thought you weren't going to talk about timelines. I'm not fit to talk about yours. So for those who are equating this sermon to your singleness, oh, you don't like the finish. That is not the suffering we're talking about because look at this timeline. Until the coming of the Lord. So for those who are like, God, take away the suffering and singleness, I'm like, mm, this ain't the timeline you want. You're going to be single and tell me, come get you. <laughs> this ain't it. But this makes sense if you realize who James is talking to. He's not talking to singles. He's talking to people who are really in suffering. And guess the timeline he gives them? It may not get fixed until he comes back. How many of y'all are that patient? See, y'all, y'all were with me. You're talking about, yeah, it's just a season. <laughs> you got it on your billboard, your vision board, seasons. And I like it because it's true. God has seasons. But one, sometimes the season is forever. Are you okay if the thorn never gets removed from you? Like I look at my hairline or the lack thereof. It's not coming back. Like that this suffering, there's nothing. I am follically challenged. Hey, that's a disorder. It's what it's called. Started around 25. Started to fade. All my bald bearded and black brothers with triple B's, we out here. <laughs> Stand strong. <laughs> Look, everybody's like, <laughs> suffering, suffering. God ain't fixing this until heaven. <laughs> That was the conclusion of the statement. <laughs> we tried Roe. That's the nickname for gain. We've tried things. Some of us have contemplated the wig strategy. The ladies be, watch out. <laughs> we grow it out on the side. We get that fade. Y'all be like, ooh, he looking good. He look younger. Yeah, I do. Just wait till next Sunday. I'm pulling up. <laughs> Dreads and everything. Some of your problems won't be fixed until heaven. See, preachers come up here, and that's how y'all keep coming, right? They, they keep giving you the tickle. Oh, yo, yo, I, I, God going to fix you tomorrow. And the next Sunday, they say, hey, that's your faith problem. You, the reason why God ain't fixed it because you don't have faith. And God's like, what if I choose not to fix it, but I am going to fix it? What about the time you prayed for that person over and over and over again, and they still passed away? And you looked at them like, God, I thought you said you were going to fix this. And God's like, I just did. Because patience has a what? An external purpose that is eternal. It's not limited to the timeline of earth. So therefore, when he says patience, he's not just sitting here talking about your 80 years on life. He's talking about the fact that be patient for your lifetime. Mm. Some of us don't like the lifetime. But let me continue to press because I want you to understand the timeline for the rich oppressing the poor. Has it stopped yet, y'all? Do you mind if I just get two, two seconds of social? Everybody gets uncomfortable with social. Has it stopped? Has the rich stopped abusing the poor? The last time I checked, just go back 60 years, 70 years. Go back Jim Crow. And then tell me 
Even if you don't want to include color, people are getting uncomfortable. Rich and poor often don't coalesce. This is not a problem you don't have to worry about. This is something that is still happening. Have you talked about sex trafficking? Where young women and young boys from all over our country and our world are being pushed into slavery, all for the pleasures of men and women, while rich get richer off the backs and sadly off the sex of some other person. So don't tell me this is an old problem. That you're one, some of us have been begging God, saying, fix it now. And God's like, oh, wait a second. Because if I don't get done, pastor said I don't have to. Just, he says there's, a, there's someone coming when he comes. And he gives you the word, and I don't want to get ahead. He says a judge is coming. But I ain't got time today. It says this. Until the coming of the Lord. Can't okay, pay attention to that Lord word. But I, he gives us somebody to look at. An example. And then I'm going to bore you for two seconds, just a second, with the definition of this word farmer. Because a lot of people in Houston don't farm. So it may take a second to explain to us industrial people what agricultural term he's referring to. We from the city. No matter if you have an acre or not, a lot of people ain't out there picking up their own. But watch what he says. The farmer waits. I got to finish the whole thing. Ready? For the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it. Until, this word pops up again, it gets early and late rains. I'm fixing to read because I want you to understand what the early and late rains mean. About three-quarters of the annual rainfall, that means three-fourths of the rainfall happened in the months of December through February, that means three months, they would get the rainfall for the whole year, early and late rains. At the beginning of the season are the most crucial. The early rains fall in the period from mid-October to mid-December. The late rain falls from December to mid-January. Rains in this period from March to April are especially important to the ripening of the spring. Now you're like, Pierre, you bored the mess out of us. Pay attention. I know some of y'all don't farm. That means rain only comes when somebody else designates it. That also means that they can't do nothing unless the rain falls. That also means that despite their labor of chunking out seeds, going out in the field, getting the oxes together, going up and down, making sure everything's right, they still have to what on it? They still have to wait on the rain. Ladies and gentlemen, some of us have gone out with our ox. We have plowed the fields. We have made sure everything's out of the way. We're saying, God, look, my sin life is better. God, look, I went to church four times a week. God, I'm praying every day. I'm meditating on the scriptures. I'm doing everything you say. But yet, where is the rain? And God says, I'll send it in the season I choose to send it in. And some of y'all are trying to do it out of season. Some of y'all trying to get married out of season. Some of y'all getting scared of your singleness because you're out of season. And God's like, you can wait on me because a farmer knows that as soon as he finished doing everything he can, the only thing he could do now is wait. See, you can do all you want to do. Some of us have been working all summer thinking, God, just give me a little bit of rain. You put the seeds down at the wrong time. <laughs> you didn't even know 
what you were doing. And God is looking at you saying, hey, pay attention. The farmer knows what he's doing. Pay attention. The farmer knows when it's time to grow. Pay attention. The farmer knows when it's time to pick. Pay attention. The farmer actually believes in the timeline God's given. The question believes, are you a farmer? Do you believe in the timeline of God? Are we out here spitting on our own crops, talking about when is it going to grow? Here's the problem with America. It's because now we have sprinkler systems and irrigation. You don't realize you need rain. And here's the problem with Christians. It's because now you know how to get your own finances, resources. Some of us know how to go on Tinder, and we know how to flip, swipe right and swipe left and DM, and now we have new lines and new stuff. We trying everything we can to get out of our season. God's like, keep trying then. But don't be mad when that's not the crop you want. Keep. Do it. Get the sprinkler system going. Turn it on. Put your seasons on. Do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to wait on me. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, <clears throat> this is one of the hardest things for me to do. Because some of us are in the same thing as me. If I work hard, I want the fruit of it. Some of y'all in your marriages right now saying I worked hard. I come on every day. I try to love my wife. I try to love my husband. Some of y'all in your singing say, God, I've been faithful. I've been celibate. I'm trying. I'm doing what you tell me to do. I've even stepped away from some internets that I shouldn't be on. I'm doing everything. Where is she? Where is he? And God's like, I'm not reigning yet. But let's just step away from y'all's social life and step into the real suffering. And some of y'all are asking, God, when will this pain stop? When will my depression stop? When will the anxiety stop? When is the fear going to stop? And say, God, I'll, I'll reign early and late, but I will reign. Do you believe enough to do the work, though? Here's the kicker. If some of y'all gave up hope and stopped throwing out seeds. Some of y'all haven't thrown out a seed, and y'all say, hey, church is my only seed. Pierre better preach today and be on time, even though pastor does long announcements. Even though, do it. Work miracles. You can't plant one seed and want a bountiful harvest. You can't say, church, got it. I'm going to listen to the sermon next week. You threw out one seed talking about God, where you at? And he's like, yeah, I just grew it. That's what you got. All you've been praying about is your singleness. There you go. You ain't worked on your life in the meantime. You ain't thrown out your singleness life in the meantime. You haven't said, I'm going to work on something else. You haven't grown in the tornado. You just said, I'm just going to pray for somebody to be here in it. So the, destroy, so the tornado can destroy our house together. At least we together. Spread it in the season and spread it out of season. But then it gives you something else for y'all hearts real quick. For those who are like, man, Pierre, you, you kind of going too hard. Waiting is hard. How many of you have given up on waiting so you just do you? Like, how many of y'all in your do you season? Nobody's raising their hand. I, I, some writing right now came from your do you last night. Like, this is like... <laughs> Somebody was like, man, I'm just going to do me tonight. I'm getting drunk. I'm getting high. I had a long week. Okay, okay. We'll just we'll ask for no hands. (laughs) 
You can't do you and expect God. Stop it. Stop that. He's a gracious God. But stop doing you and saying, God, work. He's working. He is. He's gracious. He's loving. But when he says something, he said, while you wait and strengthen something, this, this gets better. He says, while you wait, don't do you, strengthen your heart. While, while you wait, hey, 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 be like a farmer. Wait, patience, steadfast, holding together, no anger, stay there, in your spot, don't move. But then he tells you, hey, even while you're sitting there, strengthen your heart. So you got to be asking the word, what does strengthen mean? It means inwardly firm. That means if it's inward, it doesn't, it's not predicated on the what? Outward. That means your whole life could be a mess, but inside, I'm good. Like, you ever seen this word peace that everybody throws around? We've talked about that. If you've been in a church, you know I don't fool with the definition of protect peace. I don't fool with it. That is an inaccurate definition of peace. That is a worldly peace. A worldly peace says move things out that cause mess so you can feel better. An inward peace is saying, God, I am at peace with you, so even if the outward isn't at peace, I'm at peace with this. I'm in harmony with this. I'm okay. So what am I telling you? Strengthen your heart. But it has to be an internal confession, even if the external ain't good. So how do I know where your heart is? Watch how fast you move when your circumstances start. That'll tell you where your heart lies. So if a person or a thing or a job can make your heart jump, your heart was only strengthened by the circumstance. So that means whoever can get your heart, that's where your strength comes from. So some of us are waiting on someone to strengthen us, and God's like, no, 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 that's an inside job. Somebody's waiting on our circumstances to change, and God's like, that's an inside job. You can't do that. If I go back to my freezing illustration, If the roots are firm and deep despite the blanket, if they are ready for, even if the homeowners weren't ready for with the sheet, my roots were ready for it. Because even though the top is freezing, the roots aren't. Because the internal work is being done, even while the external work is being frozen. So some of us right now are saying, Pierre, what do I do while I suffer? I'm saying, go deep. Strengthen in. Get firm with. Dig yourself around the rocks. Saying, God, I only have you. So when you weeping at night, start calling people first. When you anxious at night, stop making your wife or husband feel pressure to solve it. You start saying, God, it's just me and you tonight. He sleep. I don't know why we just fought, but I'm good because I'm fixing to talk to you. I'm fixing to pray with you. I'm fixing to make my roots go a little bit deeper, but then I'm going to grab onto a rock. That word of God, it just gets it to a point where you can't even move me, even if it's cold and it's blowing, I'm still good. Ah, but when your roots ain't deep and your heart ain't strengthened, it's no wonder people can pluck you out. Mm. See, I just want to make sure when we says standing firm is attached to this word faith, but let's also talk about the word heart, right? So it says strengthen, so that means you're firm in, and I want to give you some devotional text, so I'm going to slow down and read these. 
In Psalm 57, 7, it talks about being firm. Psalm 57, 7. Psalm 90, 17 talks about being firm, standing in. 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. Go back and be firm in. But then he uses this word for heart. Now, if you've ever seen mind and heart used in the text, you would know that the word choice is on purpose. That the word heart is something very similar. It is saying that not just the internal is good, the heart is where the seat of your emotions lie. See, this is how you know where your heart is, is where your emotions jump to. But if your will is where your heart is and where your emotions lie and the seat of where it all is, and then that is why God asked for you to love him with all your heart and mind, because he's saying, hey, love me with everything inside of you, but also love me with your will. Love me with your emotions. Love me with everything that's in the side of you that you, some of us have learned how to block off and blockade. Mm. Can I just give this tip for you? Some of us are asking for somebody else to be intimate, but you're not even intimate with the Lord. Some of us are having been intimate with the Lord, but then talking about, God, I want to be intimate with somebody. God's like, you haven't even put down bricks for me yet. I know that wasn't a part of the sermon, but bear with me, is that some of us, you are not ready for a relationship until you start working on your heart in the first place. You can't brick God and then expect somebody to tear him down. That's a hard job. Some of y'all husbands, wives are working too hard to tear down walls that only God can do. You do the work. Let somebody benefit. Moving on. Your hearts are a dangerous place, though, because they are deceitfully wicked. So be careful where you start to feel comfortable in because your heart could trick you into believing this is the right circumstance. You only strengthen your heart in a certain place with a certain person. And when your heart is firm, nobody can sway you from, take you from. Church attendance shouldn't be based on where your deceitful heart wants to be. Or if it's raining outside. Monica in the freeze. I love my wife because she's she, she takes care of what we got. We don't got a lot, but she takes care of it, makes the house a home. I ain't going to lie, I think lust got the best of her. Because after the freeze, I ain't going to lie. Now, not lust for me because I'm hers, you feel me? It was lust for some new trees, you feel me? Because even though the roots might have been good, we didn't know because the leaves started to darken and fall. So my wife started to go around and do her daily check. I hated it. Saw what she was doing. I saw what she was looking. She looked down. She said, mm. I looked at the same plant and said, God, Lazarus, Lord. Mm. 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 Raise it from the dead. <laughs> With a certain plants who Monica had already prescribed because she has God's mind that they were dead, dead. She had lost hope in what God could do. Not your faithful servant, oh Lord, I believe. <laughs> she lost hope. And she just said, hey, baby, these dead. The bad word. All of a sudden, Monica doesn't do things when I'm there. 
He doesn't when I'm at work. Came home, saw seven holes. Looked at the trash can, saw a whole bunch of roots just upside down. It's like, we tried. We didn't make it. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say I believe that those foxwood, boxwoods, whatever they were, weren't going to make it. Even though it says evergreen, that's why I bought them. Their roots weren't deep enough. They didn't make it. Because he said that sometimes you have to be able to withstand the storm. And in the midst of you withstanding the storm, I don't know if I have time to go too deep here. It says, be patient. The coming of the Lord is, watch these words, near. So then, Monica is the reaper. But then I look at our judge that's coming, and he's going to look at all those people who oppress you, and he's going to say, oh, that's dead, dead. And some of us are trying to do it ourselves. How many people have you dug up out of your life because you said it's my job to dig it? How many people have you blocked and, well, not for your safety, block if it's for your safety, but how many people have you made boundaries for and God is like, I know what's dead, dead. Because the coming of the Lord is near. Now the question you should be asking is if it's near, and this was written a thousand years ago, where is he at? So I'm fixing to break your hearts and hopefully seal it back together before we conclude. His near is not your near. His coming is not on your timeline. Because if I go circle back all the way to the Gospels, Jesus even said, I don't even know the time. But I do know he's coming. So therefore, he gives you some instructions to wait while you wait what you should be doing. And I wish I can dive into every text, but if the coming of the Lord is near and I come like a thief in the night, that means you should be getting your house in order. See, I, I never, this is a crazy thing, and I don't want to get too many stories deep, but you never have to clean your house when they show up, if your house is already clean. But you know, my brothers, when the wife asks you to do something, then she go to the stove. What we do, we wait till the garage opens. And then we just be chunking stuff. Wow, wow. Me and Paul, mom said, have them dishes done. I don't know why I made her sound like that. Have those dishes done. Before I get home. Light voice, ruthless swing. <laughs> Me and Paul was sitting on the couch, man, we got time. Y'all remember this. Everybody's been through this. And we heard that garage start cranking. Paul, we have never been that much on the same page until that day. Paul would just bark out orders. I'd be like, yes, sir. It'll be out. <laughs> you got dishes. I got the room. We like, uh-uh, bam, gone. Now, it wasn't done. It was just out of sight. And some of us are like, God, you heard the garage, and God's looking at you like, but I know it's out of sight. Your house ain't in order, but I'm coming. The garage is going to open when I choose to open it. And some of y'all are going to be like, ooh, God, I was going to fix that. And God's like, but I see it. You threw it under the rug on Sunday, picked it back up on Monday. I'm so tempted to move on. 
Y'all can see I'm holding on for dear life. But I got good news for you. And we're going to conclude it twice, so don't be mad at me. He starts to do some things we're going to talk about in two weeks, because next week is Mother's Day, so I expect everybody to pull up with Mama. So we'll have to wait. Study it on your own when I'm coming back, Lord willing. Because he starts to give you instructions while you wait. And then he starts to give you an examples of why we wait. And then in verse 11, he finishes with something that I'm going to finish with. Because we're going to finish with it twice. It's just that good. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now, if you need a biblical application for this, let me at least give you something to lean on. Jesus was walking on earth, and people were walking by the people that mm, were outcast. Jesus had just finished doing some teaching, and you would have think that if I just finished teaching, I'm exhausted. I'm not finna stop for nobody. He just finished doing Miracle after miracle, and then he walks, and then he sees somebody, and he says, the Lord felt compassion for them. Do you know he uses the same word when he goes to feed them? So some of us are like, Pierre, why would you end with compassion? Because for those who have not been waiting on the Lord and doing your own thing, for those who have lost the waiting on God, the patience with people, and the patience with your circumstances, for those who have given up hope, my God is compassionate. Because when he looks at your life, he sees that you've given other people your hope, other people your joy, other people your love, other people your heart, that you've strengthened your heart in the wrong places, that you have done the exact opposite of this verse. And he says, I'm compassionate. I can see why you lost hope. I can see how this world has stripped you of your waiting and patience. I can see why you don't believe God's going to provide. I can see why you believe that nobody can do what, you, what only I can do. So because I'm the only one, I look at you with pity. And then he says he is merciful. That not only grace, he gives you what you don't deserve, but then he has pity on you and gives you exactly what you need. So for those who have said, God, I, I, you don't understand how hard it is to wait on this person to change. You don't understand how hard this suffering is. My God says, I'm compassionate. Reach out to a compassionate God. He can restore you and strengthen you even if your circumstances don't change. He can even make you feel or make you be resolved in your circumstances even if you don't know the outcome. And some of y'all are waiting to have faith, and I'm telling you today is a great day to have. Faith, because my God is saying, I'm compassionate as you turn it around and put your hope back in me. I'm compassionate while you wait for me to come back because I'm coming and it's near. I'm compassionate while you try to clean up your house as the garage is opening. I, I'm compassionate and pitiful on you. I understand this life stinks. Can we be real? The rich oppressing the poor is trash. But my God is compassionate on the poor. If you look throughout the text, he says it over and over and over again. I'm there for those who are poor and destitute. But don't ever think you're overlooked. And just because society does, doesn't mean our God does. The good news, <coughs> excuse me, the good news of the freeze is that there were some plants that 
got overlooked by the eye of Monica Cannings. They were in the back. But it wasn't that it got overlooked. It was just the fact that she finally, not finally, she, she, she looked and we all agreed on the budget. Here's the good thing about my wife. She never replaced the plans she tore up. She just didn't like looking at them dead. Got to love a wife who knows how not to spend money. But there were some plants in the back that looked dead, dead. I mean, dead. And we covered them, too. I'm talking about we had the rocket blanket ship on them, everything. And they was purple. Them leaves, I don't know. They just do stuff. And the freeze happened in December, I believe. And I just been staring at them, praying over them, mulching them. Then all of a sudden, the spring came, and I saw a leaf. I said, yes, Lord. Then I looked to my left. I said, oh, we, have, we had five of them plants, five $20 each. I looked at the other plant. I said, is that a leaf? Because the rain started to come, and the sun started to come out. And what we thought and we declared as dead, dead is now fully alive. Now, it may not look how it looked when I bought it at the store, but the roots were so steadfast and so strengthened in the storm that it now not only withstood the storm, it's coming back stronger. That now is putting its leaves back on because the rain is on top of it again. So for those of y'all who came and said, Pierre, I know I look dead, dead. And I know for everybody else in this sanctuary, I may not be what they think. I may not dress how they want. I may not be what they think I need to be. And God's looking at you like, just wait till I rain on you. I know some of y'all are like, Pierre, the storm was tough. I don't have leaves left. And God says, I'm going to rain on you. But you need to wait on my season. You need to keep your roots deep. Don't worry about the eye of Monica. Don't worry about the eye of your husband. Don't worry about the eye of the people. Stop worrying about people on social media. Stop letting them classify what looks successful. Start saying, I already know I'm successful because my heart is strengthened. I'm fine where I'm at. As long as nobody digs me up, I'm good because my Lord, he reigns when he wants to. He restores when you have nothing. And he doesn't just bring you back. He brings you back looking better. Let us pray.